the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please be seated. Oh, I'm missing Easter today, so I'm going to use one of those Easter things. Um, hallelujah, Christ is risen. Good liturgical people. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. You know, actually, Sundays are, they're all resurrection days. Right? It's always Easter, so it's always appropriate for us to say, hallelujah, Christ is risen. Hallelujah, Christ is um, Paul, Paul today, um, is, is saying that. He's saying that. Not, not exactly like that, but, but yeah, that's what he's saying. Um, it is, it is pre-Episcopal life. He had to use more words. We are now in the fifth week, the fifth week of hearing from his letter to the Ephesians. The fifth week in the same letter, the letter's not that long. There must be a lot of good in that letter if we're spending so much time on that. So much time on that. So I think it's important for us to kind of look a little bit at that letter and, and what Paul was trying to accomplish and what Paul says to us, says to us, meaning us sitting here, us people of Good Shepherd, people who live in this community. He's speaking to us today. The message that he has for that for that church in that letter that they receive and they read that's that's a that's a contemporary letter. It's a letter very much for our time, our place, and for us. You know, he didn't he probably didn't actually know that church. It's not like the church in Corinth where he planted that church and 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 he knew them personally. This is a letter he sent to them, and, and just by the structure of the letter, um, we can we can probably guess that he didn't actually know these people. Like he doesn't actually know. If you, if, you, if you remember Ephesus, if you remember the, the church that he's, that he's writing to, if you, if you think about the times, um, he's, he's writing to a, um, a city, a major city. Um, Ephesus, a city that is now in, in the country of Turkey. And he's writing to them, to this, to this church that's there that somebody else has established. And the, the concerns of those people perhaps are not so different from the concerns that we have. The things that they're facing in, in their world are perhaps not so much different from the things that, that we're facing in our own. By the time that Paul is writing to them, what had been a major um, port city, with all the kind of merchant traffic coming in and, and being a, a center of, of shipping and trade, um, that's, that's gone. That's gone. Um, the harbor deteriorated where it was no longer a harbor that could be navigated. And, and so all that, that had been built upon kind of sea travel and shipping and, and trade coming into that, into that port, all that had gone away. Maybe not so different from what we've experienced in our own country with, with the change in, in our economy from, from manufacturing to more service-based. And, and you think about those places called the Rust Belt, or here more locally, the, the, the manufacturing, the assembly work that used to happen in these mountains where that one time pride provided for some, some pretty decent living and, and when those jobs went away, you think about what, what happened to this area. What happened to this area? So what happened in Ephesus when, when the economy changed, it went from being that kind of perhaps more sort of sea-oriented um, trading, shipping industry to one that was based on tourism. Tourism. There was a major temple there, considered at one time to be one of the seven wonders of the world. It's a temple to Artemis. 
Artemis. In Greek mythology, Artemis is the daughter of Zeus. She is the god goddess associated with hunting and wildlife and wilderness. But in Ephesus, it seems to be that Artemis took on sort of a local option only. A local characterization, a local flavoring. Because it seems to be that for, for the people in Ephesus, Artemis was associated with a pre-Greek goddess of fertility. So her representation, she's covered with all these things that look like breasts. And so knowing that, you might guess what temple worship for Artemis was all about. Fertility cults. And that seemed to kind of flavor the rest of the environment because prostitution was widespread. Sexual license, widespread. And you think about what happens in our own communities when, when people become desperate, when there aren't sufficient jobs and employment that people turn to things that are illicit activities, prostitution, drug dealing, theft, stealing, kidnapping, trafficking, all those things. And I'm sure that's exactly what was happening in Ephesus. Drawing in a lot of pilgrims coming to the temple of Artemis and, you know, while you're in Sin City, you know, you, you kind of maybe do some things that are not whole. But yet in the middle of that, God saw fit to plant a church. God saw fit in Ephesus. In the midst of all of that, here is my church. Here's what I bring the light of Christ and I light it in this community. And here's this group of people that have gathered around that light and Paul is writing to them. And it's a wonderful letter. Starts out as he always does. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I have heard of your faithfulness. Which might be a real encouragement to people who are struggling to remain faithful in a world where there's so much that's going wrong. <coughs> where you might want to give up where you might think it's better just to go the way of the world. Where you look at the church and the church is in decline and people start thinking, why continue on with this? Maybe all of this is not worth it. He's talking to a community that's not so much different than the modern church and the world we live in. And he reminds them in that letter of what God has done. He reminds them that through the sacrifice of Christ, we have all been redeemed. Through the sacrifice of Christ. Now, he takes a lot of words to say that. But through the sacrifice of Christ, we have all been redeemed. And through his resurrection and his ascension, we have all been made citizens of his Father's kingdom. And even better than that, we are children and co children of God. Now, once he became an Episcopalian, he summarized the whole thing by saying, Hallelujah, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. You know, giving us this very clear, very clear understanding of, of what God is about. God is about redemption and life. And anybody that needs redemption, this is your God. And that new life is offered to all of us. New life. 
And having told us that, like a good preacher, so then, so then, because you have been redeemed and given new life and a new identity, because you have been made children of God, so then, therefore, right? Here's the punchline. Your life should be different. Your life should be different. Those who claim that they are in Christ, that they have been forgiven and redeemed, therefore, therefore, be imitators. Okay? Be imitators of? Okay? Be imitators, in this case, be imitators of God. Other places, let's be imitators of Christ. Sometimes it says, be imitators of me in, in Corinthians. It's like, follow my lead, because he's walking the walk of Christ. Not just talking the talk, but he's walking the walk. To imitate is to mimic. It's to behave like. Be imitators of God. Not that we become God, but that we try to, as best we can, live like God would have us live according to God's character. And then he makes it really easy for us to understand how that looks. Walk in love. You know the rest. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. See, Paul was a good liturgicist, right? He gave us these offertory sentences. Walk in love. Walk in love. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you really want to learn to love your neighbor, you know, don't, well, maybe in some cases the neighbor is the person that you have to work your sort of work on, but find somebody, as one person said before, try loving the person you hate the most. Try loving the person you despise the most. Work on that. Because if you set that as the bar for you, you'll find that your love for your friends and your neighbors and the people who aren't such a challenge, boy, that'll really, really be good love. Raise the standard. Try loving your enemies. Maybe that's why Jesus challenges us to not just love our friends and family, but to answer a higher call of loving your enemy because there's greater fruit from that. I admit, you know, trying to walk in love and love my neighbor and give myself for the benefit of others, a sacrifice, that can be a hard thing to do. Maybe some people find it easier. I find it a challenging thing to do. <coughs> Mistakes will be made. Right. Mistakes will be made. And trying to walk in love and, and to be challenged and, and to set your bar high. Reminded of this um, missionary recruit. Um, had just got into the missionary program and, and was kind of getting sort of first launch as a potential missionary for a mission group and, and uh, went to Venezuela, of all places. It's a strange thing because that missionary recruit did not speak Spanish. Okay? But you know, it's one of those immersion things, right? You don't have to always wait, right? God equips the call. 
as much as God calls the equipped, right? We've heard that before. So this missionary recruit went to Venezuela and, and thought, well, you know, I, I should go the first day, I should go to, to the congregation where I'll be working, and unfortunately got lost on the way to church. And eventually got some help and, and got some transportation and made it to the church right as the service was about to begin. Now, you know coming here, right, if you want the seats that you want, got to get here a little bit. Or what seats are, all, are typically open? <laughs> right? It's not always. Some big people prefer these, but sometimes you come and you go, I think there might be some seats up front. You go, no, thanks. <laughs> Don't want to get that close to the holiness up here. <laughs> it's safe. So this, this missionary recruit shows up to this church and, and saw that the place was absolutely packed and looked around and thought, oh no, the only seat that seems to be open is way at the front. And it's one of those things where, you know, you don't look like the others and, you know, kind of tries to scurry in unnoticed and, and gets in his place just as the service begins. And he's, he's looking around and goes, you know, I don't, I don't really know how they do worship here. I don't know what their customs are. I certainly don't speak or understand the language. So, so he thought to himself, here's, here's what I'll do. I will I'll imitate the person sitting next to me. There's a young man sitting next to him that says, whatever this young man does, I will follow his lead. And so they stand, and he stands. And they sit down, and he sits down. And they start playing some music, and... and you know, not, not as we do here, but, but in, in their congregation, they clap along with the music. And so people are singing and clapping. And he goes, okay, I'll, I'll clap, right? Because that's what people are doing, clapping along. And he's following this, and somebody comes up and does a reading. He goes, okay, that must be like, you know, okay, that's, that's a reading of Scripture. Didn't understand it, but that's what they're doing. And then somebody came out wearing, you know, clothes that he didn't recognize and, and, and talked to people for a while. Didn't understand a word. and said, well, that, that must be the sermon. And there's some more standing up and sitting down. He's following along this young man. And then he gets to the time where they're going to do Eucharist. And he, he goes up to the altar rail, follows the young guy up. And, and okay, they, they kneel. So he, he kneels down. And, and he sees the guy takes the, the bread in his hand. And he, he holds the cup and helps, you know, helps guide the chalice. And they, so he's, he's following all that. And everything's great, right? It's, it's all written fine. And then at the end of the service, he's kind of going, I think, we're, I think we're toward the end now, right? They're, they've cleaned up all that, and we're going to be sent out. Oh, um, wait, the, 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 the preacher comes out and starts, starts saying something to the congregation. And he notices that the priest says something, and, and the young man next to him stands up. So he does too. <laughs> and there's this audible gasp <clears throat> that comes from the congregation. And everything gets really quiet. Really quiet. And he kind of looks around and notices it's only the guy next to him standing. So he sits down. And then they go on with the rest of whatever he's saying. And, and they're dismissed. And, and as he's leaving, he's leaving the church. The, the preacher, priest, whatever he was, you know, is greeting people on the way out. And, and as he walks by, the, the, the priest says to him, um, you don't speak Spanish, do you? <laughs> and the young guy said, um, well, no, in fact, I don't. Was it so obvious? 
He goes, well, at the end there. <laughs> the end there. Um, I, I was sharing announcements with the congregation. I said, and, uh, and we're celebrating today because the Acosta family has a new child with the father, please stand. <laughs> Hey, you try your best, okay? That's what you're doing. You're trying your best to imitate, to follow Christ. And again, that is a, a significant challenge for many of us. And, and so we pray, right, that, that God's Spirit would be with us to help us walk the walk, not just talk the talk, and actually be those people who are children of God. Now, I talked with George before, and I'll use Turner this time. Turner, are your children like you? So Somewhat. <laughs> somewhat. Okay? And that's probably true of all of us who call ourselves children of God. We are somewhat like, and the challenge for us is to become even more that image, that image of God. Okay? It's practice, right? You gotta get out there and do it and try it. And, and so I'm suggesting one way of doing that is, you know, if you want to love like Jesus did, don't love the easy people. Work on the really hard ones. Work on loving them. It'd be so much easier to work to, to, to love the ones you already do. It'll be, it'll be fabulous and fruitful, but, but work on the ones that are much harder. And I think all of us know who those people might be in our own lives. Okay. Um, this is one of those things that if, if Delbert Schultz were telling the story, he would say, um, this might not be factually correct, but it's true. <laughs> I'm forgetting the guy's name, so I'm going to look it up make sure I get it right. A man's name is... James Butler Bonham. Anybody hear of him? Probably not. Okay. Now, the story is, and I got this off the internet so you know it's true. <laughs> at the Alamo, okay, at the Alamo, there's a portrait that's hanging on the wall at the Alamo. James Butler Bonham. Okay? His name's on it. James Butler Bonham. And if you look at that, it's labeled with this name, and underneath it, it continues by saying, there is no existing picture of James Butler Bonham. Isn't that weird? There's a portrait with his name on it. There is no existing picture of James Butler Bonham. This portrait the one that's hanging there with his name on it. This portrait is of his nephew, Major James Bonham, who closely resembles his uncle. <laughs> Isn't that great? As I told him at 8 o'clock, right, get rid of all my photos and you want to put something up with me? Father Bill, but make it George Clooney. <laughs> closely resembles. Yeah, this is his nephew who closely resembles his uncle. This photo was placed here by his family. This photo was placed here by his family. That all who see this would see the resemblance of somebody who gave their life for freedom. Get the point? Yeah, there's no photo, no existing portrait or anything of James Butler Bonham, but you know, there are no portraits of Jesus Christ either. 
yet you know what, my friends? I'm looking around this room. I'm seeing a lot of portraits of Christ. Because Paul reminds us that as children of God, there should be that attempt on our part to live as Christ lived, to walk in love and to give ourselves as a sacrifice to God. I think that's important. Hang on to that. The work that you do, as hard as it is, it is directed to God. Maybe one way that we can deal with people who are very difficult for us to deal with is to remember that the love that we share with them, that we give to them, the sacrifices we make is not really for them. It's a gift to God. It's a gift to God. So God's blessings be with you as you seek to walk in love and give yourself as a fragrant and holy offering to God. Amen. Amen.